Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On May 19th, eight storytellers shared their stories with our audience for our second virtual slam. Our theme for the evening was Growing Pains. We heard stories about the trials and tribulations of growing up and about learning moments inside and outside of school. In the end, first-time storyteller Rachel Pale Pale won with her story about lessons she took away from an abusive relationship. Here's Rachel. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my story, unfortunately, is something that I am sure that, well, it's a known fact that I do not carry this story alone. And um, from a very young age, I have always been something that some may call boy crazy. I loved being in love and I loved to be loved. And so I went through my high school career as a committed girlfriend for three years. And then after that ended and I went off to college, I ended the relationship to have some fun. And that's what I did. And I fell in love with someone who was very egotistical. Um, he was a Leo. So, you know, he's very, has some narcissistic tendencies, very confident in himself. And I got sucked right into that. And it turns out that he ended up being my college's like major drug dealer. And that was something that just enticed me even more. I fell in love with learning the language of what he did and, you know, counting the money and doing all the things that come with being a part of that community. And as I slipped further and further into that, I lost so much. And that even carries over to today, four years later, um, the, the residual pain of what it was like to be in that kind of relationship. And what I learned mostly is that growing pain should never leave bruises. And they did. And the night that he took me and slammed my head into the kitchen floor four times and left a, like a abrasion on my head and left marks on my neck my arms and my knees, you would think that I would know that that pain should never come in a relationship or ever. And I didn't learn. And that wasn't enough to wake me up and pull me out from where I was. And after two days, he called me and he said, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have done that. And I put my head down. And I said, you're right. I'm sorry. And for two years, I learned to put my head down and say, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have went there. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have texted them. I shouldn't have added them. And I started losing so many parts, not only of myself, but outside of my own personal bubble. I was stealing money from my parents. I was lying all the time. And my phone became super glued to my hand, learning that I wasn't allowed to miss a phone call. I wasn't allowed to not respond to a text. I wasn't allowed to turn my location off. And it took over 
two years for me to leave that relationship and finally put a legal blockade between the two of us. And even now, those pains still show through. Um, you know, when someone sneaks up from behind me and I, I flinch, or if someone goes to throw something at me and I turn or I crouch, those are all still reminders of what I survived and what I went through. And even though it only got physical one time, that should never even have to come out of my mouth that it came to be physical one time. And out of that relationship, I've learned through other relationships as well to fall back in love with myself and to put on my bossy pants and to say, no, I don't want that. No, I don't want to go there. No, I think that shirt is ugly. And out of the pain that I went through, I am not a victim. I am a survivor and I want to be the voice for other survivors out there. Thank you. Rachel earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is a story from Mina Edmondson, who shared a moving story about what happened on the day she wore her Easter outfit to school. As the third bell rang, my first grade teacher opened the door to the playground and let the, all the students out into the playground. And it was a beautiful spring day. The sky was clear. There were just a few clouds floating around. And the children, all the older children were out playing in the playground, yelling and screaming and hollering. And I marched out into the playground, hoping that everyone would notice me because I had convinced my mother to allow me to wear my Easter outfit to school that day. I had on my sailor dress with the big white collar and red bow and my white patent leather Mary Janes and my white anklets with lace. And I was just so proud of myself strutting around. And I was looking around and trying to find my brother. Saw him down at the very end of the playground by the big maple tree, which is where we usually met. Now, my mom had a couple of rules for us. Um, number one, you do not stick around the playground and play with the other kids, you come right home. Number two, we had to stay together, my brother and I. Number three, there was a particular route we had to walk on the way home. And number four, we had to be home by a certain time. And if we missed any of those, we were certainly in trouble. Well, I get down to where my brother's standing and he's hanging out with some of his friends. And I hear one of the kids say, hey, Charlie, you gonna come with us to go get some tadpoles? And I'm thinking, oh no, you can't do that. And he looks at me and I can just see his brain going. I can see him thinking, what are the repercussions of if I do this? Because, you know, I really want to do this. And he looked at his friends and he looked at me and he said, go on home. I'm going with my friends. And I was like, oh, no, but you can't do that. And they all took off running across the field down toward the woods. And I, of course, followed them because there was no way I wanted to go home alone. Well, as they got closer to the um, woods, one of the boys turned around and yelled back at me, go home, sissy girl. We, we don't want any girls with us. This is a boys only club. And it broke my heart. And I started to cry. And I started running toward home because I wanted someone to comfort me because my feelings were hurt. And as I was running along the field going toward home, I realized, oh my God, I don't really want to go home because the only one waiting for me at home is my mother, and she's not going to be happy. 
So I sort of slowed down and I'm walking around and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to handle this situation and what am I going to do to make it better? And there in front of me was the magic answer. It was a whole cluster of pussy willow bushes. You know, those twigs with the little furry cat feet on them. And I thought, I'm going to break off and get a big bouquet of pussy willows and take them home to my mom. And she's got to love me for that because they're so beautiful. So I started running toward home again. And I'm coming up the street and my mom's standing on the porch. But she's looking up the hill not down the hill because I wasn't coming home on the route that was approved. And when I came into the, into the sidewalk and I said, mom, look what I, she turned around and started screaming. Where have you been? What have you done? You're filthy. Look, you ruined your clothes. Your shoes are ruined. Get those things off. You're not going to my house wearing those clothes and on and on. So I took off my shoes and my socks and my dress and I'm standing there in my white itchy, slip with the crinoline on it. It was horrible. And I made a mistake. I bent over and I picked up the pussy willows. And about that time, my brother came in the sidewalk as well. And my mother turned and saw him and he was in worse shape than I was. He was wetter. He was muddier. He was dirtier. And my mom went ballistic and she reached out and she grabbed that bouquet of pussy willow switches and began to beat our legs with those pussy willows until there wasn't one little tiny cat finger left on the branches and she kept beating us until her anger abated well she was extremely angry and she yelled at us to go to our room right away and she hoped we learned our lesson. Well, as I'm laying in bed crying, not the first time I've been laying there crying in pain, and it certainly wouldn't be the last time, I thought to myself, yeah, I learned a lesson that day, a very important lesson. And that lesson was never give your mother anything that you think is beautiful because she'll destroy it. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from David Smith. David shared his story of a time he was distracted in algebra class in the seventh grade. I think that sometimes, uh, and just sometimes, you can look back over your life and, and see um, key moments that put you on the path to being who you are today. And then maybe you can imagine what, things would be like if it had gone a different way at that particular moment. I've never been good at math. I was okay in elementary school, but once I got to junior high in algebra, forget it. Now as an adult, I'm good at math. I don't have any problems. I kind of like having at least one thing where the answer is either right or wrong and not subject to everyone who has an opinion. Um, but it was in junior high where I got branded a disciplinary problem. And I think I spent the rest of my academic career living up to the rep of being a bad boy. And I guess I can't really complain too much because I'm pretty sure that's how I got my wife. 
looking back, I think all of that came from one moment. The first quarter of seventh grade went well. They would put us all together from four different elementary schools, and we were all figuring out the pecking order. And by second quarter, I was firmly embedded with the nerds and completely out of the running for homecoming king my senior year, so the pressure was off. It was, it was like we were living out the plot of the movie Grease. Um, anyway, second quarter started intro to algebra. Now, you got to remember this was the 1970s. And I had a large number of male teachers, thanks to the Vietnam War, and they were not the most nurturing people on the planet as a group. And this was back in the days of corporal punishment, which I'm sure suited most of my male teachers because it, frankly, it's just much easier to paddle your ass than it is to have to ask about your feelings. So intro to algebra was a new class with different kids and a new seating plan. And that seating plan put me right next to Sandy O'Neill. Now, Sandy is not her real name. I have no idea what happened to Sandy O'Neill after junior high. She might be very, she might very well be one of you fine people sitting out there in the dark listening to this story. And this story is going to be embarrassing enough without putting a real face on it. So I won't go into much detail about Sandy other than to tell you that Sandy was a very pretty girl and Sandy was a cheerleader. And my particular day of destiny was a game day. So all the cheerleaders were wearing their uniforms in class. So as I sat there in algebra class listening to a riveting discourse on binomial theorem, my mind may have drifted away a bit from the world of integers and formulas and rational numbers. It may have lost rational thought altogether because my mind was on the way the sunlight caught the highlights of Sandy's hair and the way she would smile her fake smile when the teacher would tell a joke, but smile her real smile when the teacher would pick on someone else to answer a question. And I thought about the heavy wool sweater she was wearing and how hot and sweaty it must be sitting there next to the heater because they turned the boiler on in October and turned it off in May. And so it get really hot in that room. And I thought about how difficult it must be doing all those cheerleading moves in a sweater that was that tight and form-fitting. And I thought about that little skirt she was wearing it must be darn uncomfortable wearing a skirt that short outside at a football game or walking home from a baseball game or a basketball game in January. And then I caught a whiff of Sandy's perfume. Now, Sandy is the first girl I can ever remember thinking about how she smelled. And she smelled pretty, pretty good. And as I lost myself in Sandy's perfume and her short skirt and her long tan legs, I slowly became aware of my face getting hot. Now, I was 12 years old at the time and going through all the usual changes that a 12-year-old boy goes through. 
and I was acutely aware of them at this particular moment in time. And that's when I heard my name being called. Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith, are you with us, Mr. Smith? It seems while I had been basking in the glory that was Sandy O'Neill, the teacher had written down an equation on the board and unbeknownst to me, selected me to solve for X. Now, I didn't know much about algebra at that point, and I may or may not have been able to solve that equation, but there was one thing that I knew for sure, and that was there was no way I was going to stand up and walk to the board at that particular point in time. Even if it had been physically possible for me to stand up without injuring myself. So there's only one thing for me to do, and that was to stall for time. I tried everything I could think of. I said, I didn't know the answer. And he said, try. And I said, I really have no idea. Someone else would be better at it. And he said, try. I threw my friend Mark under the bus. I said, Mark knows the answer to this. He's really good at this. Why don't you have Mark solve it? And the teacher said, go up to the board and give it a try. And I said the word every teacher loves to hear. No. And he said, what? And I said, no. And he said, I'm giving you a warning, Mr. Smith. Well, I had never received a warning before. This was terrible. My parents would be notified. I was one step away from heading down a path to a life of crime. I had to pivot. I needed to talk fast. I thought, maybe if I called this whole algebra thing into question, maybe if I got the teacher to question his own life choices, I could buy myself enough time. So I launched into... Why do we have to learn this stuff? Anyway, who uses this other than NASA guys? We're never going to use it in real life. I don't know anybody who uses algebra. And the teacher got up, walked to his desk, and brought out the dreaded pink slip. That meant detention. Or worse, a paddling. And he waved it at me and said, go to the office. Fortunately, by then, my problem had subsided. I got up, grabbed my books, went to the office. And that's how I became marked for life as a disciplinary problem and future juvenile delinquent. All the winners from this year's Open Bike Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Updates on our event are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. Big thanks to our 2020 sponsor, KBG Injury Law, whose generous support is making this season possible. We hope to see you virtually or on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.